0: Good afternoon. If you're not saved today, call upon the name of the Lord. Romans 10:13 says, "For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved." John 3:16 says, "For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life." If you believe that Jesus is the only way to heaven, the only way to salvation, Bow your head and close your eyes and simply ask Jesus to save you. Please enjoy this program. Good afternoon and thank Thank you for tuning in to Fire Shut Up My Bones. Please turn to Matthew chapter 4 and we'll read in verse 23. It says there, And Jesus went up about all Galilee, teaching in the synagogues, and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of diseases, among the people and then turn over to matthew chapter 9 verse 35 and jesus went about all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people let's pray dear jesus in heaven teach us today be with us be with this program in jesus name we pray amen the word preach is mentioned 145 times throughout the Bible. When Jesus preached, he pointed to the Bible and God. Some examples are Matthew 4.23 and Matthew 9.35 that we just read. These, however, are a few out of many examples of Jesus preaching the gospel, which is the good news of salvation. The Bible says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's the good news. The good news is that you, my friend, can get saved. You can believe in Jesus, ask him to save you, and you don't have to go to hell based on your belief upon the everlasting son of God, Jesus Christ. That's the good news. And that's what Jesus preached on. That's what many people preached on. That's what uh, his disciples preached about. uh, uh, And Paul preached about this. Timothy, they preached on the gospel message that anyone who believes on the name of the Lord can be saved. And will be saved once they believe. Jesus' followers like Paul and many other preachers preach the gospel of Christ. Which is every Christian's mission. Sadly today in some churches today there is more reliance on vernacular, pet peeves, jokes, dumb stories, witty, cool sayings. Rather than relying on the Bible, God's word. It is as if we ran out of stuff to preach. Or that the Bible isn't enough to keep people's attention. It's as if we're saying, what else is there to preach? We preach on standards that are not biblically based. We preach on on agendas. I'll just name a few. Oh, you should wear a white shirt when you preach. You shouldn't preach with um, wired rim glasses. You shouldn't wear open-toed shoes. Uh, What's the other one? You have to wear matching tie. Uh, You should shave if you're going to preach because that's how young men learn how to be adults. Oh, the uh, uh, the man shouldn't be chasing the woman in courtship and all this. The woman should be chasing the man. Or, hey, I was at Starbucks and this guy was absolutely mean to me. It wasn't my fault. But then again, it's my fault because I forgot to give him a snicker bar you know all kinds of nonsense in church and and what I am seeing and it bothers me it bothers me it bothers me is is an insurgence of our I'm not talking churches that are, that their leader is going straight to hell I'm not talking that I'm talking in our circles of fundamentalism people uh yell, holler and scream, tell a bunch of stories, a bunch of pet peeves they're passionate about other things except the bible they don't open god's word that bothers me may i ask you guys a question are you so easy to say amen and get goose pimples and emotional at a statement that has no biblical basis whatsoever that's what i'm seeing look there ought to be something with inside of us that when we hear the word of god preached we say amen and we're like, wow, that's what the Bible says. I can relate to that. Why is that? That's because when you got saved, God gave you the comforter, the Holy Ghost to live inside of you. And because of the Holy Ghost living inside of you, you need you need spiritual food. And because of the spirit living inside of you, you need spiritual food. So you gather spiritual food from the spiritual, word of God. If you're spiritual. You walk with the Lord. You pray. And you need spiritual food. Anytime you go to a church where the preacher doesn't open the word of God and preach, you will be spiritually dry and spiritually starved. All right? So that includes our little introduction here. What else is there to preach? That's how it seems like people are approaching the ministry nowadays. Oh, I ran out of stuff to preach. Um, Let me tell more jokes. Let me run more agendas. Let me... Talk more about uh, issues at hand. Let me get more fired fired up about things that have nothing to do with God and his work. What else is there to preach? That's the title of the message. I know it sounds weird. What else is there to preach? Well, I'm here to tell you that there is a lot to preach because we have the infallible word of God where we can learn about the Lord and we'll never get tired of learning about the Lord because the Bible says his ways are past finding out. You'll never, you'll never, ever get tired of learning about the Lord. So let me pray one more time. God, you got to help me. In Jesus name we pray, amen. All right. Point number one. Keep preaching Christ and his gospel. Keep preaching Christ and his gospel. We see Paul, Paul preaching uh, uh, uh his writing in Romans chapter one, verse six, he says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. That's talking about how Jesus Christ came to this world to die on the cross for man's sin. He rose again on the third day. The Bible says whosoever shall believe on his name shall be saved. That's the gospel of Christ. Keep preaching that. That's important. A lot of these churches don't preach the gospel of Christ. They preach nonsense. They they'll say, "Oh, you can get saved if I just pray over you." The, the Bible doesn't say that. That's nonsense. For it is the power of God unto salvation to every one that believeth. John three b- believeth. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. That whosoever believeth on Him shall be saved. To the Jew first, and also to the Greek. Okay, Mark sixteen fifteen. Right? You ask, what are, What are we supposed to preach? Right? Go to Mark sixteen fifteen. Let me show you from the Word of God what, what we're supposed to preach. It says in Mark sixteen fifteen, it says there. And he said unto them, Go ye unto the wor- all the world. Very important. Go ye unto all the world. Why is that? Because God wants everyone saved. Don't believe. The the Calvinists and their dumb statements that God only wants to save a few people. Go ye into all the world and preach the what the gospel to every creature. He that believe it. Okay, yeah, to every creature. Okay, that's every person that was created by the Lord. Preaching must always point to Christ and His Word. You you find an interesting, right? Uh. When you watch Jesus preach from the Bible or any of his disciples, it always points back to scripture. Okay. Uh, Preaching must point to Christ and his word. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verses 17 through 18. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Okay. And yeah, chapter 1. Seventeen, eighteen. It says there: for Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Look, if you're ever called to preach, and 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 God uh, called you into full time ministry, even though we're all supposed to be doing something, but I'm talking the job of being a pastor. That should be the job of a pastor in church to preach the gospel. That's so important. Not with wisdom of words. You're not supposed to be preaching with your own form of wisdom you're supposed to be preaching with god's word and the power of the holy ghost unless the cross of christ will be of none effect for the preaching of the christ is to them that perish foolishness but unto us now that's very important it says but unto us which are saved it is the power of god let me tell you something you don't have to impress anyone with your vernacular or the way you talk when people in that room are saved and you might have some that are not and you just preach what god gave you uh, what God gave you from your personal devotions, from your walking with the Lord, people in that church are going to be blessed. Or even in person, people are going to be blessed. Something within inside them, their spiritual hunger will crave the things of the Bible. And they'll say within themselves, amen. That's a blessing, amen. They'll be filled with joy. That's why it says, but unto us which are saved, it is a power of God. There's something bless- There's something blessed about hearing the word of God preached. That's what we need. Not, you're the reason why America's going to hell in a handbasket because you forgot to pass out a track at Seven Eleven, or you, you know you didn't uh, work on a bus or anything like that. Hey, you just you just pray, uh, ask God what, uh, and you know the first thing is is the Great Commission. That's what you really need to be doing. Other than that, pray and ask God what He wants you to do and do it. Okay, Amen. All right, uh, let's see here. yeah first yeah okay point number two so we have keep preaching christ and his gospel that's that's a commandment from god keep doing that you you you, that never ever gets old anyone that believes the gospel will get saved okay that's your first thing that you got to do point number two preach it the bible way when we're preaching we got to do it the biblical way you say what's that it's relying on god and just his actual words that's all you need go with me to chapter 2 of 1 corinthians and let's begin reading in verse number 6 how be it we speak wisdom among them that are perfect yet not the wisdom of this world okay the wisdom of this world nor of the princes of this world that come to naught, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known it, they would have not crucified the Lord of glory. Now look at this, um, verse ten. But God hath. Wait, is this the right one? Oh, I messed up. Go with me to First Corinthians chapter two, verse one. This is this is how we preach it the biblical way. And I be, and I, brethren, when I came to you. Came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom. Now look. Now pay close attention to that. When Paul uh, approached uh, approach preaching, he didn't try to f- to make his speech fancy or eloquent. Although those things are helpful, he did not rely on that. Okay, the excellence excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring clearing unto you that the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. That was what he was interested in preaching. And that's what he was told to preach. Jesus Christ. Okay. And my speech, that's verse 4. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom. You see, it wasn't rooted in man's wisdom. Uh, Okay. That's very important. I have uh, nothing against homiletics. But I remember I was on YouTube watching a a homiletics video. and, And... i don't know i did some something like i said i'm not knocking it this is just my opinion but, but the guy with the kind of a hot look said the science of preaching now look like i said this is just my opinion you can take it and leave it do i think it's important to, uh hold on one second this thing's messing up all right sorry for the long pause i just have to fix this real quick okay Right. Do I think do I think those things are important to learn how to talk and get uh, to articulate the word of God clearly to someone? Yeah, absolutely. There's nothing there's nothing wrong with that. But I believe that there does come a come a point where we we rely too much on eloquence rather than relying on God and his power to preach the word right preaching is not a contest you're not trying to impress anyone just preach the bible rely on god that that's just that's just how i feel about it if you know it's up to you if you want to you, you know, if you want to disagree that that's fine i could be totally wrong on that okay but anyway for uh, for uh, i determined not to know anything among you save wait wait and my speech and my preaching was not within Tyson words of man's wisdom that means he didn't rely on man's wisdom he relied on god's wisdom but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. What's that saying? God helped him preach. God taught him how to preach. That your faith will not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. That's how we should preach, beloved. Open up this book. Say, God, please show me something. Uh, bless me today. And when God blesses us, then we preach that. Okay? First John chapter two verse two uh first John chapter two verse twenty-seven. But the anointing which we have received of him abideth in you, and ye need and ye, ye need not that any man teach you, but as the same anointing teaches, teaches you of all things, and is truth, and is no lie, and even as it is faith. Oh my goodness, I'm messing up. Even as it it has taught you, you shall abide in. A, that's saying that the Holy Spirit will teach you, okay? Alright? The Spirit will teach you. Alright, moving on. Uh, that's point number two. Preach it the Bible way. What is that? Relying on God and His Bible. That's it, and and, and prayer. Okay, First Corinthians 17. I believe I read that for uh, yeah. I read that. Don't preach it. In, don't preach. Don't preach the Bible in your own wisdom. <sighs> uh, we cannot preach the Bible. We can't. I'm sorry. We can preach the Bible because it's not from man. Why is that? Well, why did I say it like that? Man is wrong. God is always right. God is perfect. Man is imperfect. First Peter chapter one, no, Second Peter chapter two, one verse nineteen. Now look at this. Now this is talking about the Mount of Transfiguration uh, that Peter was eyewitnessed, and Peter is uh, uh, assuring us that we can rely on the Scripture rather than uh, eyewitness. Because, he, you know, he saw the transfiguration. He's not lying. But he's saying, hey, even though I saw Jesus transfigured on the mount, I have something that you can trust even more. And that's the Bible. It says in verse 19. Am I in the right spot? Oh, I'm in 1 Peter. Let's go to 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 19. We have also a more sure word of prophecy. He's saying, hey, look, you can trust this more what I'm saying, where that's why you got to bring your Bible to church, guys. Uh, to, to uh, in the Brians uh read the scripture daily to, 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 to see whether these things are so you got to bring your Bible. What if the pastor accidentally makes a mistake, right? At least you have the Bible and they're like, oh, okay, he made a mistake, but this is what the Bible says boom, that's it. Where until you do well, that you take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the day uh, till the day dawn. The day star arise in your hearts. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. What's that saying? God, uh, the Bible is not for man. The Bible is inspired. It means God breathed. Miraculously, this Bible came about. God penned the Bible through human instruments, supernaturally. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake. As they were moved by the Holy Ghost. That's the third person of the Godhead. God himself. But, uh, take for instance Moses. Did he see creation? No. But yet he he was inspired. He was moved by the Holy Ghost. To write things that he has never seen before. And guess what? They're so accurate today. He wrote about the flood. So accurate. And he never was there. But he was moved by the Holy Ghost, to accurately write those things that he was not eyewitness of. Isn't that awesome? Peter is saying that, hey, even though we're eyewitnesses of the Mount of Transfiguration and, and, and we witnessed Jesus transform, we have a more sure word of prophecy. Moses wasn't even there at creation, but we have a sure word of prophecy. Praise God for that. Amen. A- amen. That We, we, we can see this stuff through the eyes, the lens of Scripture. Timothy three sixteen. Let's go there. This is this 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 I like because we can rely on the Bible to preach. It's not written by man; it's written by God, and we can rely on the Scripture because it does this that I'm about to read in the Scripture here. Second, Second Timothy, chapter three, verses sixteen. Is this the right thing? Okay, it says there all Scripture. We, we get that word from plenary. All all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for a correction, for instruction in righteousness. That's what the Bible helps us with. That's why we got to preach out of it. Okay, we couldn't help ourselves to get saved. All right. Hold on. Is my alarm clock about to go up? We couldn't help ourselves to get saved. Therefore, we need something uh, therefore, we need Jesus to save us, and then to live a godly life, we need something to help us live a godly life and to give us direction in righteousness. What's that God's word, Amen, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works, so it doesn't help. you have a guy he reads one verse out of the Bible, and then he's just talk talk, 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 talk story upon story upon story, and he doesn't open up the Bible again. May I tell you that is a bunch of foolishness that is dumb. That is just dumb, like, like how Tom Malone he just says that is just dumb, right? It is stupid. You say that's harsh, beloved. You know you can ruin your life without following God's word. This is His letter to us. We can ruin our life if we ignore God's word. Okay, we need this supernatural, inspired word of God. Amen. Okay, and and also too. Uh, correction, reproof. That's preaching against sin. You can't have nastiness in the church house. Nowadays, they have these circuses going on and some idiot hanging off a rope from the ceiling, coming down, acting like uh, he's an angel floating from the stars. And people sit there and laugh at that. That's, that, that, that is disgusting. People in church in a rock band cut up jeans uh, or, or some guy breathing into the mic. Jesus loves Come on now. Come on, man. That stuff makes me so angry. Why Why does it make me angry? Because we have 66 books of the Bible. There's so much awesome stuff in this book. And for us to just sit there, go into church, oh, read one Bible verse, and just talk all day long, that's a disgrace. And plus, may I implore you to do to, to read the Bible? If you don't, you don't know what you're missing. There's so many amazing stories in this Bible. True stories. We don't have time to be sitting here wasting and coming up with dumb stories. We might as well go to church and watch TV. All right, all right. Let's keep moving on. Galatians chapter one, verses eleven. This is just another verse that I, I want to point out out of God's um uh, out of God's amazing word that the Bible is not from man; it's from God. Okay, you say, well, man wrote the Bible, but it's supernaturally. God uh, inspired means God breathed, God penned the Bible through his godly vessels. Galatians chapter 11. But I certify you. Now, I want you to pay attention to certify. It's assuring uh, with promise. But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man, for I neither received it of man. You see, see what he preaches not from man, and not from man's wisdom. It's not corrupt. It's from God. Neither was I taught it, but... By the revelation of Jesus Christ. Wow, that's that's this book, guys. That's this book. This Bible is. Th- th- there is no other book like the Bible. Okay, point number three. So we have. Let me reiterate. Keep preaching Christ and His gospel. That that's paramount. Open up this book and preach it. Okay, point number two. Preach it. Preach it the Bible way. That's that. How do you preach it the Bible way? All you have to do is ask God to help you and rely on his book. Do you realize that the almighty creator of the universe, the one that made everything on the face of the earth, wrote this Bible? When you look at the very words on this amazing book, the actual letters, that is actually the letters of the almighty savior of the universe. Do you realize that? That's all you have to rely on. Nothing else. Why in the world... Will we not rely on scripture when we preach it or when we go out sowing it or when we talk to our co-worker about the Lord and come up with some dumb, stupid uh, way to in? where, well, if you, you see when you're sowing, you have to throw this. I like what Pastor Creed said. He said that if it's not Bible to shut up, like like seriously to shut up when you're sowing, just keep it Bible. That's it. You know how they say, keep it simple, stupid. Keep it simple, Bible keep it simple Bible. I like what, uh, I, one time I was uh, in the kids class w- w- watching uh, my, my youth pastor preach the word of God. And I said, wow, he preaches the way he preaches to the kids. He preaches the, the same way he preaches to kids is the way he preaches to adults. Now, of course, he has to come up with scenarios that kids can relate to. Kids don't go up, uh, you know, in in America for now, you know, get up and go to work, you know, or you can't, you know, you have to get some stuff that's relates to them. But other than that, he doesn't dumb down the word of God. You don't have to do that. Why is that? The man is relying on the word of God to preach. And they understand it. Uh, point number three, preach the Bible consistently. Let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2. Now this right here is talking about, see like God put it on your heart to preach about um, Moses. But all of a sudden, out of nowhere, you see some sodomite come into church acting all flamboyant. Well, you have to preach and target that. And preach Sodom and Gomorrah. Or you know some guy is in the church molesting his kid. You know this. Well, you need to call police. But, uh, and you're preaching on Noah's flood. Now you see him in the church. Now you need to dive down and, and preach against that. Or you see a drunkard. Or you see some guy cheating on his wife. Committing uh, adultery in the church. And you know this. Well, it's time to preach against fornication. It's time to preach against liquor. What is that called? It's called preaching in season and out of season. Uh, for Second Timothy chapter... Four, verse 2 it says this preach the word that's the bible all right do you remember in first john 1 1 where it says in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god hey look when you mess with the word you're messing with jesus christ preach the word be instant in season and out of season preach it when it's popular and not popular it says reprove rebuke exhort with all long suffering and doctrine when you see sin you hit on it Okay, and then not only do you hit the sin with scripture, but you show sure how to fix the sin with scripture. You see, what are you talking about? For example, I'll give you this quick example. All right, say like this guy, he 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 um, he um ignored uh, biblical principles on fornication. The Bible says it's good for a not to touch a woman. He started touching and now he's in bed with this young lady and he committed sin, fornication. Okay, he was promiscuous, and he, and he's like, oh man, I, I messed up, I messed up, right? And, and 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 he wants to get right, okay? Well, now you teach him from the Bible, like, okay, now you need to marry that girl, you messed up, because that's fornication, okay? You messed up, now you need to be in church, you were escaping before, let's get back in church, let's get back on track, get into the Bible, let me give you some biblical verses that you need to live by, so you can clean up your life, Okay? That's, 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 you you preach against it. Like, hey man, you messed up. The Bible says fornication is wrong. But let me show you to fix it because you want to be restored. That's how you do it. You don't, uh oh, boy, you guys are a bunch of good for nothing sinners. And look at that. You jumped into the bed of that lady. And that's it. and You just leave the guy there. That doesn't help. There's a difference between harsh, harsh preaching and hard preaching. Hard preaching, you preach it the biblical way. Harsh preaching, you just tear people down and you don't leave them without any hope. Okay, now this is the last point. Point number four, what Bible preaching does for the saved person. Now, this is a blessing to me. Let me tell you something. When I hear messages from my pastor or some of my favorite preachers of the past, like Dr. Ron Fenwick, Tom Fenwick, his son, Dr. Tom Malone, and many others. You know what happens to me when I hear those men preach? I get motivated Right. If you, For those that are saved, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You can relate to me. You're like, wow, that is amazing. I need to open up the Bible. and Look at that myself. My pastor preached out of Mark chapter five. And let me tell you, man, last night I was in Mark five. It's, it's, it's intriguing. I was texting my friend about it. I was talking to my wife about it. My dad called me up, talked to my dad about it. All right. It's amazing. It is amazing. The, you see, let me tell you something. The Holy Ghost that's living inside of you, you are a new creature when you got saved. And then you crave different types of appetites. You have a different appetite. You crave spiritual things. What's that? God's Word. You crave God. You want to pray to Him. You want to be around Christian people. And when we see a man, a God of a man, get on that pulpit and it says, open your Bibles too. And he opens up that Bible and he reads the scripture and he applies the scripture. And you're like, wow. What a God. And you get motivated. You want to be there for a couple hours. Amen. Hey, look, by the way, I was in a church one time and they actually did preach for about everything in that service was pointed to God. It was two hours at night. It really didn't feel like it was two hours. But I tell you, when a preacher's up there preaching nonsense and it's just stories, man, 30 minutes seems like six hours. That is the truth. I feel I have a good friend of mine. He preaches. He doesn't habitually preach long. But when he used to preach like 55 minutes to an hour, my dad and I would look at each other and like, wow, we were in here that long? It didn't seem that long. Why is that? Because he preached from the Bible. God gave him stuff from his devotions. And he's like, just giving it to us and laying it out for crying out loud. We we're hearing from God himself because that young man was close and is close to the Lord. You know, preaching like that, you don't mind it to be about two hours long. You say, that's crazy. It's it's crazy to preach without the Lord and His Bible for thirty minutes. I'm telling you, it's the most boring thing ever. You you just want to watch YouTube when they do that. All right, let's go to Luke chapter twenty four, verse thirty two. I'm gonna close. Such a motivating passage. Now, you know, a quick background. So these two guys, you know, this is Jesus. He's resurrected, but they didn't. They did not know. I I guess they forgot that Jesus was resurrected. Right That it rose again on the third day, but they thought jesus was was just dead, and that was it, and they were discouraged and uh, let's just read it thirty two and and there followed him a great company of people a man in the right spot twenty four I'm in twenty three and behold, two of them went that same day to a village called Imos, which was from Jerusalem about three score furlongs, and they talked together of all the things which uh had happened, and it came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, Jesus Himself drew near and went with them. But the eyes were holden that they shall not know know Him. <laughs> and He said unto them, uh, "What manner of communications are these that ye have one uh, one to another as ye walk and are sad?" He's saying, "Hey guys, you guys are sad. What's going on? What's this conversation about?" And then, and the one of them whose name was Cleop- Cleopas answered and said unto Him. Art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem and hast not known the things which are come to pass there in these days? And he said unto them, what things? Now, Jesus knows everything, but, you know, he's trying to have a conversation here. And they said unto him concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet mighty indeed and word before God and all the people. And now the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and have crucified him. But we trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. And beside all this, today is the third day since these things were done. Yea, and certain women also of our company made us astonished, which were early at the sepulcher, and when they found not his body, they came, saying that they had also seen a vision of angels, which said that he was alive. And a certain of them which were with us went to the sepulcher and found it even so, as the women had said, but him they saw not. All right. Th- then he said unto them, O fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. So they didn't believe that Jesus was risen. Ought not Christ have to suffer these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning, and beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them and all oh, men. Just now when I read that that part expounded, my heart just jumped. I'm not kidding, man. I'm getting excited just reading this. I'm not making it up, guys. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. My my favorite type of preaching is expository preaching. When a man gets up there and breaks down the scripture, guys, that's what God is doing here. Moses, the, he, he's preaching out of the law right here the Bible, the scripture, and it is expounding it. He's explaining it and trying to tell them like, hey, you know, Christ did arise. Amen. I love that kind of stuff, man. That's what preaching is about. Expounding. Uh, by the way, a good one is Nehemiah chapter 8 of expository preaching. But Christ right here is getting down. He's cracking open the scripture. He's explaining to them the things that have ha- have happened through the word of God. And notice with me, that Jesus, Jesus doesn't just rely on only just telling them. L- l- read it again. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them all the scriptures. Christ is relying on scripture, the things concerning himself. Isn't that not important? It, 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 um, throughout the Bible, when Jesus was preaching in the synagogue, he got a scroll, a book of Isaiah. Uh, he said, uh, live by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. Do you see the pattern there? How dare us go into church and preach nonsense and, um, and a bunch of dumb stories? We need to preach from the Bible. And they drew near unto the village, whether they went, and he made as though he would have gone further, but they constrained them, saying, "Abide with us." Hey guys, when when the preacher comes into town and preaches, man, you want him to preach longer, amen? For it. For it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to tarry with them. And it came to pass, as he sat at meat with them, he lo- he took bread and blessed it and brake and gave to them. And their eyes were opened, and they knew, and they knew him, and he vanished out of their sight. Now they realized they were talking with Jesus. Now look at this, guys. This just fires me up. It says, and they said one to another, "Did not our heart burn within us?" while he talked with us, by the way, and while he opened to us the scriptures. What happens to a Christian when they hear biblical preaching? They get motivated. They get, they get they fired get, up. Sorry they about that, the phone wrong, but I'm already off work. They get fired up, amen? Motivated. That's what we need. Uh, you see, what happens is this. When you get saved and you put on the new man, you become a new creature. God transformed you. Now you start to crave spiritual things. And you crave more Bible verses. It's true. It's 100% true. You start to get a spiritual appetite. I'll tell you this story and I'll close. There is a man right now in heaven named Chuck Webb. He was Woodlawn Baptist Church's bus driver. Okay. uh, he When he got saved, he, he walked up to Pastor Dr. Ron Fenwick. And Dr. Ron Fenwick, he is... Just uh, just amazing when it comes to explaining the scripture. I, I, I love it. But but when he preaches, he will throw a bunch of Bible verses at you and explain them to you. And Chuck Webb told Dr. Ron Fenwick, he said, You know what? I love how you preach, but I especially love it when you just give us all those Bible verses. And, And what was that? It was the new man craving spiritual things. Something burned within him when Dr. Ron Fenwick read the scripture. That's what happens when we hear good preaching. Okay? So my encouragement to you is this. Okay? To the question, is, um, what else is there to preach? Just keep preaching the Bible. Don't think that we have to impress people. If they're really saved and you preach the word of God, they'll be blessed. You might have some people that are not saved. Well, they preach it hard anyway. They, they, they might get saved. Amen? Preach it. Preach the Bible. What what else is there to preach? All you need is God's word and God himself. Let's pray. God, thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.